You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to try to finish this today. Been in Hebrews 11 for the last part four weeks or something like that. In Bible college, it's called the Hall of Faith. Heard a story about a businessman whose business was, was failing. He was in great debt and disturbed, owed, owed everybody. He knew money, he had no way to pay. Went to his pastor and his pastor said, I'll tell you what you do. You get a beach chair and your Bible and go out on the beach and open that chair, sit down and hold the Bible in your lap and let the wind blow it. Let the wind blow the pages. And where it stops, look down, the first thing your eyes see, that's your word from God. So he did it. A year later, he, re- he returned to the pastor. He's got a new suit on. His wife's got a diamond ring. Hands the pastor an envelope full of money. He said, did you do what I told you to do? He said, yeah, I did exa- exactly what you told me to do. He said, what was your word? He said, well, the first thing I saw was chapter 11. Chapter 11, bankruptcy law. This is a chapter 11 that don't, it has nothing to do with bankruptcy. Amen. has everything to do with prosperity and blessing. Yeah. Amen. Chapter 11 of Hebrews 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. The harlot Rahab. The harlot Rahab. Now listen to me. It's bad enough to be a harlot. But it's even worse to be a Canaanite harlot. She was the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst. The Canaanite harlot had nothing to offer the world except one thing. And she received the spies with peace, it says. So my point here today is to tell you, faith changes the worst of the worst into the best of the best. I don't care where you came from, who you are, and how you spell your name. If you've been bad, if you've been good, faith changes everything for you. And take your very worst day and make it the, 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 the light of God's life and your life. I uh, think about this Rahab a lot. And I turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you could put that up on the board, Matthew 1, 1. We're going to look at about four or five verses there. Whitney, if you don't mind. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah, Judah and his brethren. 
And Judah begat Perez, and Perez, Perez and Zerah, they were, they were twins, and Tamer, of Tamer, and Perez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. Now listen to me, from, from Perez all the way down to a guy named Salmon, we're going to get to him right here. And Aram begat Abinadab, and Abinadab begat Nasan, and Nasan begat Salmon. All of these guys were Egyptians. They're not Egyptians by blood, they're Egyptians by culture. They've all been in Egypt for, four, for, for 400 years. Their lifestyle was about Egyptians. I mean, they, they were Jews and they had certain affinity with Abraham, but they they'd raised in Egyptian culture. You understand me? Yes. Salmon, go to verse, the next verse, 5. I think it is. And Salmon begat Boaz, which is in the Old Testament called Boaz. Boaz of Rahab. Rahab. Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab. Rahab and Boaz, uh, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat, begat Jesse. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse, the, the next verse, begat David the king. It's shocking to think about this. This woman Rahab, a Canaanite harlot, came into the lineage of King David himself, and greater than that, the lineage of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. She's a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Rahab, faith changes the worst of the worst into the best of the best. Glory yes. to God. Amen. Think of it. I've often wondered how Boaz, Boaz, a prince in Israel, would take a girl like Rahab. I've often wondered why he would do that. But I, I, why he would take a girl like Ruth, why Boaz would take a girl like Ruth, because his mother was Rahab. Yeah. He could see something in her that others couldn't see. Right. He knew his mama had been a bad girl, right. and God made her a princess in Israel. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What a thought. It does not matter where you've been. I'll tell you something. Ladies, if you're looking for a good man, speaking of this Boaz, you take a guy home to meet your daddy, please don't take dumb ass to, to meet your dad. <laughs> or smart ass to meet your dad. You wait until you find Boaz, okay? Okay, you with me? <laughs> Faith changes the worst. Of the worst into the best of the best. I read a story this this week about a guy named Mosab Hassan Yusuf. He is the son of the Yusuf, who is one of one of the Hamas leaders, one of the heads of Hamas in in uh, Gaza. That man is a bad dude. But this Yusuf, Mosab got saved and became a Christian. The man's the head guy's son got saved. You know what he said? He said most Muslims are ignorant of their, of their own religion. They just do what they're told from the, from the pulpits of the mosques. He said they're ignorant. And if they would ever study the, 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 the Quran 
and the Bible side by side, which is what I did. He said, I saw how the Bible outstrips the Quran 100, 100 ways. Yeah. The Quran has so many contradictions and so many false things in it. And it's obvious when he studied against Christianity, he said, my heart began to cry out, Jesus, I need this, this, your God, not, not Muhammad's God anymore. I need your God. Thank you, Father. Anne had a guy come to a garage sale one time years ago. I mean, you can think of who you think might be the worst of the worst. Anybody can get saved, y'all. Yes. Anybody can come into the family of God, even your mother-in-law. <laughs> I know that snaggletooth old witch, she can come, in, she can come into the, to the things of God. I know you don't like her, but she can still get saved anyway. <laughs> Miss Ann was having a garage sale one time, and there was a young lad came, young man came to her garage sale, and she began to witness to him. She asked him, what, "Are you saved?" She she asked everybody that almost. Are you a Christian? He said, "No, I'm Muslim." He said, "I do not believe in Christ." She said, "Well, why?" He said, I have so many people talk to me about that, but I don't, I, don't want, I don't want anything to do with it. She said, what are you afraid of? He said, I'm not afraid of anything. She said, well, you seem like you are. She said, if you're not afraid, come to church with me tomorrow. My wife invited another guy to church. <laughs> I was a pastor then. She wasn't. And uh, she told me when I got in from the, from in, I had been someplace playing golf probably, and she was having a garage sale. Anyway, she said, I invited a Muslim to church tomorrow. I said, you did. Are you going to frisk him at the, at the door, you think? She said, no, it'll be all right. She said, I told him he could sit with me. She said, I told him to ask the ushers to bring him down the front, to sit with me on the front row. Well, we got there, and sure enough, he came in. He said, I'm here to visit as a guest of Ann Holler. They ushered him all the way down the front row, got into the front row and sit, sit, sit him with Ann on the front, front row. His name is Abdu, A-B-D-O-U. Abdu, I preached that morning like a wild man. And uh, I thought it'd scare him off, you know. But when the music started, before I preached even, God began to, began to touch his heart. A girl sang, Dana Via Dolorosa that morning. He sat there and started weeping. And he wept. And he wept and wept. He leaned over to Annie and said, I have never felt this way before. He had never once ever felt the presence of God. But he felt it that day. He, I gave an altar call. He didn't respond to the altar call. I thought, oh man, I missed my chance. Others did, but he didn't. So we had a visitor's Room and I we used to go visit with first-time visitors at the end of the service, and uh, he came back there. He said, "Mr. Holler, I want to say something to you." He took me by the hand, looked me right in the eye, and he said, "It may cost me my family. It will cost me my inheritance, and it may cost me my life. But I want you to know today, shaking my hand, holding on to my hand real tight." Today, I take Jesus Christ as my God. That's how I said it. Amen. He said, I take Jesus Christ as my God. Two weeks later, I baptized him in water. Amen.
God can take the worst of the worst and make them the best of the best. Amen. No, right. Amen. Glory to God. Did y'all hear Jeffrey Dahmer got saved in prison? Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, the cannibal wow. up in Wisconsin, got saved in prison but just a couple of weeks before he died. The pastor that led him to the Lord is a guy named Roy Radcliffe. Went into that prison and led Jeffrey Dahmer to Jesus. Dahmer hardly could believe that, it, that Jesus would forgive him and save him. Had a hard time believing that he could get, you know, be saved, be, be forgiven for what he had done. Radcliffe kept reading him the scriptures, reading him about Paul, how Paul turned around. Paul had done some of the same things. He never was a cannibal, but he did a lot of things that evil to people, to the people of God. And he got saved. And Jeffrey Dahmer finally believed it from his heart just before he was murdered in prison. You're going to, I believe you're going to find Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven. Amen. Not many of you believe that. I, I didn't hear a bunch of amens. <laughs> but Jesus can forgive anybody. That's right. Amen. In fact, he's already done it. He did it on the cross. On the cross, he took care of all of our sins. It's just a matter of what you will believe about that now. It's up to you to believe it. His part was grace to provide it. It's up to you to receive it by believing it. See, John said, He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, the authority to become the sons of God. Even to those who believe on his name. Yeah. It's about what you believe. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30, 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith, listen, there's ten things he says they did through faith. Subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, and women received their dead raised to life again. Ten things it said that they did by faith. Did you notice number three? Did you notice the third thing? Obtained promises. What's heroic about that? What's so heroic about receiving a promise? Obtaining a promise. That's not like stopping the mouth of lions, is it? Obtaining the promises is a very heroic thing. That means you display it. That means you talk it. You put it out there. You believe Jesus saves. You believe Jesus heals. You believe Jesus prospers. You believe Jesus makes everything that went wrong in the garden come right for us. Glory to God. You still believe it and you say it. You say it with your mouth. Our bumper sticker. <laughs> I heard a story about a guy who, they said he changed lanes in a little tiny subcompact car on a freeway in, uh, in New Orleans, right in front of a fully loaded cement truck. His name was George Seguenza. He changed lanes right in front of that cement truck, slammed on his brakes, and that cement truck climbed right up on top of that little subcompact car. Mashed it so flat, like they said it looked like a chewing gum wrapper. Somebody sat on a, on a couch. It was just flat. Truck driver got out and ran back there. And all he could see was an arm sticking out of the wreckage under the back wheels of that truck. All he could see was a, 
arm sticking out, attached to that arm was George Seguenza, and he was still alive. And he was screaming his head off. Still alive. Hours later it went by, and they finally got that big hook out there and lifted the truck off the car. And took it, it was a big ordeal. Had to shut down the whole free, freeway, you know. Got that, kind of uncrunched that little car, got the jaws of life out there and got him uncrunched. Retrieved George Seguenza out of that car and hauled him to the hospital. Where in a few days he recovered and got out of the hospital. He recovered nicely. They said the only thing that looked like a car, that looked like any part of that car, looked like anything, let me say it this way, anything about the car that looked like a car was a rear bumper. They showed a picture of it in the newspaper the next day. It's called Miracle on the, free, on the free, Freeway. And you find the reason why, why he got that miracle probably because on the bumper was attached a bumper sticker that said, Jesus saves. Amen. Glory to God. I heard Paul Harvey tell that story years ago, and he said, indeed. <laughs> and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Some obtained the promises. Obtaining the promises of God is a big deal. It's a heroic deal to God. And others were tortured, not accepting the deliverance. Not accepting the deliverance. Everybody said, not accepting the deliverance. Notice it did not say without compromise. It says there are at least two ways to escape something. Listen to me. There are at least two ways to escape something. One, your captors can give you a way out which will always involve compromise. If you, if you recant, we'll let you go, Martin Luther. I can do no, none other. Here I stand by faith. I can do nothing else. Or God can provide deliverance. You don't call it deliverance when your captor gives it to you. That's compromise. If somebody, somebody on your side delivers you, that's, that's called deliverance. You understand? But if you don't accept your deliverance, uh, you're not accepting the help from those who can help you, who are on your side. So listen to this. In Acts chapter 7, verse 55, let's turn there, would you? Acts seven fifty-five. Acts 7.55 says, But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried. Did they say, how did he see Jesus? Did he see Jesus seated or standing? Standing. standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their, down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. That's Paul, our beloved Paul the Apostle. Verse 59, And they stoned Stephen calling, as he was calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. <coughs> Here's a story. They gnashed on him with their teeth as he's preached to them a great message. They run upon him, drag him out of the city, start to stone him. He's looking up. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
I believe Stephen knew that meant something. We always see Jesus seated at the right hand of the, of the Father. Every time seated, resting until his enemies be made his footstool. Where is he seated, everybody? Tell me, where is he seated? On the, on the right hand of the throne of God? They, they, they call that something else. The mercy seat. He's seated in mercy today for everybody in this room. He's seated in mercy today for all the world's sins. He's a merciful God today. He seated in mercy. Stephen didn't see him being merciful. Stephen saw him standing. Yes. That told Stephen Jesus was about to do something to these people. He was about to take action against them right there. And Stephen said, Lord, let not this to their charge. He did not accept his deliverance. You hear me? That's what it means to not accept your deliverance. He saw deliverance in Jesus. He said, Lord, let not this into their charge. And accepted his own death. How heroic was he? You'll know how heroic they are when they do it willingly. Lay down their lives willingly. That's the, the story of the, of the martyrs. Not accepting deliverance. Paul had a similar, similar experience. He was on his way to Jerusalem. On his way to Jerusalem in Acts 21 had three or four prophecies that came, and one of them said, the Spirit says, do not go to, to Jerusalem because you're going to suffer, the Jews are going to come at you, going to try to kill you. Remember that? Even the prophet, prophet Agabus came and tied his, took Paul's, Paul's rope, his tie around his waist, and tied up his own hands and said, so shall it be done to those, to the man that owns this rope, this tie. And one time, like I said, one of, one of those prophecies said, the Spirit says you shall not go up to Jerusalem. He went anyway. I've heard that debated over and over. That the, the saying uh, that Paul disobeyed God. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. That's a false narrative. Truth is, God gave Paul a way out. But it was still his choice. Any prophetic utterance you get is not, not a word from God for you to have to obey. It's, it's something that gives you a choice to obey. Right. Amen. We're not guided by prophetic utterances from other people. We still have, have our own will. That's right. God, you hear me? Amen. Prophets are good. We need prophets in the world, and we need to hear our prophetic utterances. But you're not guided by that. You're guided by your own will. God gave you your will to, to choose. And you can put it down or, or pick it up. Paul decided he was going to do what he had in his own heart to do. He knew that the Holy Ghost was giving him a way out, and he did not accept his, del his deliverance. He saw a bigger picture. God does not want you to have to suffer. It's not God's will for you to suffer in, in anguish, for you to be tormented. It's not God's will for you to have to do that. But he loves it if you choose it. The heroes of heaven are those that have died as martyrs who chose it instead of not accepting their deliverance. Are you understanding me? These are our heroes. That they might, it says that they might obtain a better resurrection, verse 35. Verse 36, Hebrews 11, 36 says, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheep skins and goat skins, having destitute, being destitute, 
afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. All these, these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. All of these were Old Testament saints. He's going through the litany there. It says, but God, verse 40, listen to this. But God, having provided some better thing for us in the new covenant. We have a better thing in the new covenant. You have a better thing in the new covenant than what they had in the old. That they without us should not be made perfect. Better thing. I am here today to tell you, you have a better covenant than Moses had. You have a better covenant than Abraham had. You have a better covenant than anybody had before, before Jesus came. This covenant, we have seven things. I'm going I'm to give you seven things that are better about the new covenant than anything else that ever went before. This word, this word, these two words here, better, better thing, it comes from one Greek word, kriton. Kriton. It means stronger, better. Stronger, better. Seven things you got as a gift from God. Are you with me today? Here they are that nobody ever had before, before the new covenant. Number one, Jesus, the final sacrifice. To end all sacrifice. There's no more sacrifice for sin. There just was one last one. That's the only one that counts now. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the final sacrifice. You don't have to make any sacrifices to be saved. Maybe your dignity. Maybe your pride. But that's all. Second thing is sonship. You get to call God your father. Jews don't call him their father to this day. You can call God your father because indeed he is your father. You were born again and the spirit of God came into you and rebirthed you. Amen. Glory to God. That's a marvelous thing. Unique things. Seven unique things about, about the new covenant. Thirdly is Jesus, our high priest. You have somebody in heaven Pleading your case right now. You have somebody in heaven who's taking up your cause. Amen. That's good news right there. You have somebody in heaven who knows God better than you do. Amen. Amen. He knows God better than you do. And he loves you like, like you can't imagine. So he's on your side. He's the, he's the high priest of our confession. It says in Hebrews 3, the high priest of our confession means... He says it there what we say here. But sometimes we say it wrong here. We say it wrong here. We, we, we don't, we, oh God, help me. Jesus says what he needs is he needs a new car, Daddy. He means he needs a new car. That's what he means. He says help. I believe that about Jesus. He, he turns our prayers into something that makes sense to God. Amen. I told you all my story about my, my brother getting me my first guitar because he knew my dad better than I did. And he interceded for me and got me my, my first guitar. Always been my hero. Jesus, your elder brother, is in heaven for you, working as your high priest right now. You know, nobody else in the world can say that. Only Christians can say that. Only Christians can say that. Only you can say that. The fourth thing is the Holy Spirit. As your gift... In the old covenant, they had the Holy Spirit, but he came and left and came and left. 
that's why you see Samson looking so great on one hand and so, so bumbling on the next. That's why you see David on the one hand such, such a great warrior and on the next he's committing adultery and killing the woman's husband. Yeah. Never see that with Jesus. Never see that with a guy who has the spirit all of the time. Yeah. You have the spirit 24-7. He came as your gift. The day you were born again, he came inside your spirit and re redid your spirit, re rebirthed your spirit and made you brand new on the inside. You have ultimate holy potential inside you. Glory to God. That's amazing right there. And five, is a, this is a good one. No condemnation life. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Any word of condemnation that ever comes your way, it is not from God. He will never condemn you ever. He forgot that you ever sinned. Did you know that? He, not, he doesn't have a record of your sin. Nobody has this but Christians. Every religion says they're keeping a track of all you do. All you have done. And you have to hope that you do enough good to outweigh the bad. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. And the sixth thing is good things. God meant for you to have good things when he gave you the Holy Spirit. Good things in your life. Let's read... Uh, I'm going to read two verses to you. Matthew 7 and 11. Would you put that one up there? Seven, Matthew 7, 11. I'll come back to that list in a little bit. Matthew 7, 11. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things unto them that ask him? Uh, now Luke 11, 30, 13 Luke eleven thirteen is a is a, a different telling of this same story. Listen to what he says to the, here. It's almost identical except for one thing. Luke eleven thirteen says, If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Oh, so when the Holy Spirit comes, you get good things. Amen. Holy Ghost in your life means good things. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean condemnation. Doesn't mean daily, daily, daily uh, insults. Right. Not going to blast you for, for, being, for being stupid. He's going to bless you because he loves you. Amen. Good things are in your life today because of the Holy Spirit in your life. Yes. Not everybody can say that. And the final thing, this is what grace gives us. Direct entrance into heaven. When you pass from this life, all you're going to know is you blink your eyes and open them in heaven. Amen. That's how Christians die. Abraham didn't even have that. Right. Abraham escaped the fire, you remember? He was saved by faith, all right. But you've been saved by grace through faith. Amen. Grace means when you pass from this life, you blink your eyes and you're in glory right now. I'm going to tell you something. You won't know anything about your funeral on earth. You won't be hovering around, hovering, hovering around the, the ceiling looking down on it. You're going to be in glory. You won't even think about this earth for probably a thousand years till you see somebody from here that you know show up up there. Heaven is a wonderful place. And it's a real place. And you have the benefit of knowing that you can go to heaven, that you will go to heaven. 
the moment you pass, the, you breathe your last here, your next breath will be in glory. Glory to God. Nobody has that but you. Amen. Let's, let's talk about these seven things again. Jesus, the final sacrifice. You have as grace gifts to you. Jesus, the final sacrifice. Sonship. You call God your Father. Jesus, your high priest. You have the Holy Spirit, our gift. You have no condemnation in life. You have good things. And you have direct entrance into heaven. Let's, let's bow our heads for a moment, please. Father, I thank you that you said that these Old Testament saints could not be completed, complete without us. They could not be complete without us. That we are the, that we are the completion of faith in the earth because of what you did with Jesus. Because Jesus came, we're here. We're here to pro proclaim his goodness to this gener generation. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice today. Everyone who's here who needs to know God, I pray for them, Father. Would you bless them with salvation today? You blessed them with, with salvation through Jesus, Jesus, I know that already. I pray for this, God. We don't want anybody to lose out. I know you don't want anybody to lose out. I know you want everybody in heaven with you. So I bless everyone here under the sound of my voice. If you're here today, you have any kind of need, but especially if you're not born again, if you've never made Jesus, Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, make Him the Lord of your life today. Will you come to Jesus today? With your heads bowed, I want to ask you something. Am I talking to you? If I'm talking to you, raise your hand. Raise your hand and say, I need to be saved today. I want to be saved today. Raise your hand. Okay. Praise God. Amen. I believe everybody in the house is saved. We're going to accept that as a testimony today. If you have any other need, Miss Anne is going to come. And our elders are here to pray with you if you need anything, if you have any kind of need at all. We believe in miracles in this church. We've seen so many miracles happen here. God is not a respecter of persons. If you need a miracle, He has them in bucket fulls up in heaven. May to pour out miracles to you because he loves you. Believe God and anything is possible. Everything is possible to the one who will believe. Amen. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. God bless you.